Well, good morning, Hillcrest. Good morning. Uh, I don't have marshmallows or anything up here for you guys to tide yourself over today. So, um, and please don't boo me or throw those marshmallows. If you have them, don't throw them at me, please. Um, I'm not excited about that. But uh, my name's Tyler. Uh, I am the student ministries pastor. Uh, I am a father of a one-year-old named Caleb. Uh, there's a picture of us right there, of a one-year-old named Caleb, husband to Amanda. She is the amazing and much better half um, of us. And that is a picture of us back in Minnesota. And so I am a fan of the Minnesota Vikings. <laughs> hey, we got a couple people raising hands. All right, I'm not alone. <laughs> Yay! Um, But I heard some boos. I appreciate that. My Vikings have no way to lose this week, you guys. They have no way to lose because they don't play. (laughs) It is their bye week, okay? So they do not play, and I am very excited because they have a winning record right now. Six and six is still winning, I think. Um, So anyways, so we won't talk about last week, all right? We lost to the Bears. Are you kidding me? All right, anyways. But before we jump into the text today... Uh, It was Thanksgiving last week, and there's the quick shot of me and my family. We were back in Minnesota, um, and that is Caleb absolutely looking like a ham in that photo. He he loves looking at himself in the selfie camera, so he is pretty egocentric like that. Um, But that is Blue Earth, Minnesota, and yes, that is a 60-foot green giant statue that every Thanksgiving weekend on the Saturday, they go and then they put a scarf on it. So Amanda makes my family go every time we're there for Thanksgiving. She's like, you need to go to that thing. It's like the town tradition. You got to do it. So we lugged all our stuff and we went to there and we were experiencing that. So, but I don't know if your guys' family is like my family at all, but nothing quite says family to me like a little competition, right? A community building opportunity, as I think David mentioned up here. And that is, and that is a little bit of a picture into our family. Something that we in the Schoenrock household did growing up was we would watch Wheel of Fortune. You guys watch Wheel of Fortune? Anybody? All right, okay, Wheel of Fortune. And our family would sit down and we would compete against each other to who could get the puzzles the fastest, right? And then by the end of the night, by the end of the show, my dad had been like, ah, this is dumb. My other brothers had been like, ah, I wouldn't do this. So it ended up just being me and my mom going against each other. And uh, if mom is watching, I have beat you so many times. Um, and I beat you last weekend. Don't you dare think that that's not happening. But it also reminded me of another game show. So I don't know if you guys have seen this game show either. Are you smarter than a fifth grader? Yeah. So I'm not Jeff Foxworthy, okay? I'm not going to try to be that. I don't have the mustache to pull that off, okay? So I'm not Jeff Foxworthy. But uh, the premise of the show is that adults come up and they compete against each other, right? They compete against fifth grade students, actually. And they see if they can answer fifth grade level questions, right? So I, got, I brought a couple questions for maybe you guys to ponder and see if you guys are smarter than a fifth grader. Okay, so here's one question. What planet in our solar system has rings? Saturn. Yes, Luke. <laughs> Luke was right on it. Saturn, all y'all in there are not smarter than a fifth grader. Luke is. Luke is. And Pluto. You're fact-checking me, and I appreciate that, Calvin. How many, okay, here's another one. How many syllables are in the word Mississippi? That's letters, syllables. I'm trying to hear, I'm trying to hear for something in the back. 
was there somebody I heard clapping? Mississippi. Did anybody do that? That's the only way I know syllables is how to clap. Okay, so there's four. There's four in Mississippi. But the reason why Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader uh, connected for me this week was because in our text in Luke 18, so if you want to open your Bible and go to Luke chapter 18, in the verses 18 to 30, there's a young ruler that comes to Jesus, and he doesn't just come to him with a fifth grade level uh, trivia question, okay? He comes to him with what I believe is the most significant question that every human being is asking, and that's happening here in verse 18, but pray with me before we jump into the text. God, thank you so much that you provide um, some answers maybe to this significant tech, to this significant question. Thank you that we get to glean things from your word. Uh, I hope that your word speaks this morning um, and would speak to our hearts to find more peace in you than anything else. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So this morning, the big idea I want us to unpack is this. The rich young ruler is, has a misplaced confidence, but Jesus through this conversation that he's going to have with the rich young ruler, points him to find a new kind of peace found in God alone. So we're going to unpack that a little bit. But we're, we're just going to see, and we're just going to walk through this conversation. Jesus said this, the rich young ruler said this. And we'll just go back and forth. We're just going to go through the text today, and we're going to see that the rich young ruler comes to him with the significant question, Then we're going to see Jesus respond with a simple yet incredibly hard answer. And then through that, that conversation is going to point us to find an amazing gift of new peace. And we'll see what that is. So let's jump in with this significant question. And it starts in verse 18. That's what it says. The ruler comes to Jesus and asks him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What must I do to inherit eternal life? It's the most burning question that's on this rich young ruler's mind, and he comes, brings it to Jesus. And in other words, what I think this ruler's asking is, how can I be confident of where I'm going to go when I die? How can I be confident of where I'm going to go when I die? It's a big question. One that, one that I believe every single human being has thought about or will think about in their lives. I remember being in fifth grade and being just absolutely in a deep fear of this question. And, and it was absolutely crippling to me in my relationships and how I live my life. It was, it was just crippling. And I tell you this because I, want, I think the question that the rich young ruler asks today is the most vital question for us to have an answer to. And, and if we can find confidence and peace in our answer to that question, it actually sets the trajectory of our lives to find more peace and more joy in everything that we do now because we have this answer and we can be confident in it. So there, and so Jesus comes and responds to this very significant question that the rich young ruler asks. And this is what Jesus says. 
He gives us a simple yet incredibly hard answer. And this is what Jesus says. Verse 19. Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. Jesus, from the get-go of the conversation, as soon as he answers, he flips the conversation. He absolutely flips it back onto the rich young ruler. Why do you call me good? It's such a classic Jesus move. You guys ever seen that? Like, it's pretty classic. Like, it's such a, it's like typical Jesus. He answers a question with a question and flips it back on the person that's asking the question, question to him. And so what do you think Jesus is trying to show this rich young ruler through him asking back this question? This is what I think. I see here that Jesus is trying to flip the perspective that this young ruler has towards eternal life, but then also the kingdom of God. He's flipping his perspective. I think this idea is an idea that flows throughout the rest of the passage, and I think it's this. It's Jesus is moving it from what must I do to who must I follow? What must I do, meaning, man, I got to do all the things, and we're going to see him still unpack that in the rest of the verses. And, but even in this question, he flips it to, who must I follow? What's the relationship that I need to be in, in my life? Flipping it from a rich young ruler, this is what you do, to a me, I am Jesus. <laughs> who do you say that I am? So, this is what I think he's saying. Wrong question. Wrong question, rich young ruler. Who do you say that I am? It's about relationship. Who do you say that I am? But then he doesn't stop there. Jesus doesn't just stop and be like, yep, that's it. I gave you a question and told you, hey, no one's good except God alone. He actually keeps going and he keeps unpacking it for this rich young ruler. He says this in verse 20. You know the commandments. Do not commit, uh, yeah, do not commit adultery. Adultery's first. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness or lie. Honor your father and mother. So Jesus here brings it back to the 10 simple rules, simple commandments, the 10 commandments. He boils it down to him. So I want to test your guys' Bible knowledge here, kids. All right. This is where you guys come into this. Okay. All right. Who can list off one of the Ten Commandments? And, hey, you know, there's five of them in the text, so there's a cheat code right there. Anyway, Calvin. That's true. He did do that in, in Exodus. That's awesome. Thank you. You, got, you know that part. What's well, a Ten Commandment? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Number one. Let's go. Number one. All right. All right. Anyone else? One or two more. Yep. Jonah. Yes. Do not covet your neighbor's house or, or wife is what it says. Thou okay, one more. Thou shalt not same-sex marriage. Adultery. Adultery's in there. Yes. Okay, well, here we go. Yes, honor your father and mother. Yes. Woof. Oh, yes. Yes. Mom and dads need to all be clapping right now at that one. All right. But here is what... Uh-oh. Here we go. Back it up. What happened? What happened? We're going backwards. Um... That's where we're at, yes. So these are the Ten Commandments. No other gods before me, no false idols, Lord's name in vain, 
keep the Sabbath holy. And then the ones in red are the ones that Jesus shares with the rich young ruler. Honor your father and mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness or lie. You shall not covet your neighbor's house or wife. Jesus brings it back to the 10 simple rules, commandments to follow. But he doesn't share all of them. You guys see that? He only shares the one in red. Jesus only shares the ones that deal with how you treat other people. The ones that are all outwardly seen. Do you guys see that? All the ones that are only outwardly seen. So let's see how this rich young ruler responds to this. Okay? So Jesus basically is saying, who do you say that I am? And obey the commandments, is what he's saying. Just boiling it down. Answering to this question of how they can be com- he can be confident where he's going to go when he dies. But this rich young ruler has, has something to respond. Let's see what he says. He says, all these I've kept from my youth. All these I've kept from my youth. What's he saying when he says that? I think he's saying, I'm good. I'm good. I do those things, Jesus. I do all the right things. I haven't murdered anybody. I don't steal. And I haven't talked badly about mom and dad. So I must be good. I'm going to be an eternal life. Yes, Amazing. Thank you, Jesus. It's like, yeah, I learned to be a good person in kids' ministry with Miss Aaron and, son- and at Sunday school for my Sunday school teachers. So because I know all those things, I'm good. I'm good, the young ruler says. And this is the moment where Jesus reveals this young ruler's heart. Not just his actions that are outwardly seen. This is what Jesus says. This is what he responds with. One thing you still lack. Sell all that you have and distribute it to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. Jesus cuts through all the right things that the guy does, that the rich young ruler does. And he points directly at his heart. What's your motivation, rich young ruler, behind doing those right things? What about your money and your possessions? Let's talk about those. Woo! Jesus says, give away all your money away and follow me. Instead of thinking of all the things you need to do to get into heaven and the checkboxes that you need to check, have I murdered someone? Nope. Have I stolen anything? Nope. Have I lied? Nope. Check. Have I disobeyed my parents? Uh, Nope. Okay, check. And then you got to go back and uncheck lying because you just lied. Right? Instead of that type of a checklist, Jesus says, What if you just happily followed me? What if you gave up everything that you had, 
all your money, all your possessions, and you gave it to the poor. And in this moment, Jesus is calling out money as a barrier in this young ruler's heart. He's calling it out as a barrier for him to fully follow after Jesus. So let's see how this ruler responds then. He was literally just put on blast. I don't know if you guys feel that, right? It was like, ka-ka-pow, you're there. Like, let's see how he responds. He says this, or he doesn't say anything. This is his reaction. 23. But when he heard these things, he became very sad, for he was extremely rich. He became very sad hearing what Jesus had to say. The rich young ruler had a big sad face. He was feeling all the big feelings. And the question for me is why? And I think it's because he loves his life. He loves the rich life that he has. And he can't imagine his life without having it. The rich young ruler is, he finds confidence in his treasures more than eternal life. He finds his confidence in treasures more than eternal life. The rich young ruler walks away from Jesus. The rest of the text here today doesn't even bring him back into the picture. He walks away from Jesus, choosing to live in that sadness and find his confidence, his happiness, and his peace in his money and his possessions, the stuff, rather than following Christ. He finds his confidence more in the treasure than in eternal life. And Jesus sees this. Jesus Jesus sees his sadness here. And again, hashtag classic Jesus, he uses it as a teachable moment for everyone else around. This is what Jesus says. How difficult it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God, for it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Jesus says that money is a huge barrier for humans to let go of in order to follow him. That's what he's trying to say. It's a big barrier for us as humans. But I want to clarify something. Jesus isn't saying that rich people can't get to heaven. There there isn't a shaming message from Jesus to those who are rich, guaranteeing that they're locked out of the kingdom and that God's just like, oh, here's the keys, let me throw them away. That's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus isn't saying that poor people are better. He isn't trying to say that the gospel is a poverty gospel. That poor people are somehow better off in their life and they're going to be guaranteed to be in the kingdom. So we all need to just live in poverty now because they, poor people are given the keys, so they're better off. No, that's not what Jesus is saying either. And Jesus also isn't saying that money is evil. Jesus isn't saying that money is this evil thing that's created for destruction. So avoid money at all costs. Just push it away. Get it over there. I don't want to even know what's happening in my bank account. Right? No. Money is a tool 
that is used in our lives to worship and glorify God in how we use it. So please don't hear Jesus saying those things. But I think Jesus is saying something, right? Why would he? He is saying something. So what is he saying? He's giving us a strong warning here that money can actually tempt us to believe some pretty false ideas. I think he's saying that money can tempt us into having more security or safety in it itself than God. We sit and we look at our bank accounts and our investments and multiple times a day because if my account ever falls below a certain number, then I am shook. I'm speaking from personal experience. I don't know if you guys see that. We are tempted to believe that money is going to provide that sense of security more than a sovereign God. That's one that we can be tempted to believe. Secondly, I think money can tempt us to believe that we have a lot more control in this world than we actually do. That I have control or power over what my life will look like and the circumstances I'm going to experience. Because I've worked so hard and I can control all my circumstances with the amount of money that I have. And if I don't have this money, then my life will be worse off because I don't have any control. We can sometimes be tempted to believe that. Another thing we're tempted to believe is that a person with more money is just better. That money somehow equals our status in comparison to others around us. With me, with my Ford Escape, 2015 Ford Escape, and I go look across the street and there's that Tesla. They've got all the torque and I've got none. So it's like, what can I... I'm comparing myself there. And there's so much of a lack of peace because I think, wow, their life must be so much better off because they've got that car. They have that possession. They have that money. I think ultimately Jesus is warning us and asking us to pause and ask ourselves this question. Where is my confidence found? Is it in Christ or is it in my money, my possessions? Because Jesus makes it abundantly clear there isn't room for both. There's not room for both on the one-person throne of our heart. But there's not... This is the moment where the rich young ruler goes away. And now everyone else is listening in on this teaching. So everyone else hears Jesus, hears the conversation, and this is what they ask him. 26. Those who heard it said, then who can be saved? If it's that hard, if it is that hard for like a camel to go through an eye of a needle hard, then like it must be really hard for those to be in the kingdom of God. That's impossible, Jesus. That sounds impossible. And this is the moment right here where Jesus shares this most amazing gift of new peace that we can have, that we can have. He says this, an amazing gift of new peace right here, verse 27. What is impossible with man is possible with God. What is impossible 
with man is possible with God. I know this seems impossible, Jesus says. I know it seems like money is going to be this big old hurdle that we need to overcome. It is impossible for you if you do it on your own. But guess what? You can't, but he can. Jesus can. Jesus says he has the power, he has the ability to overcome even the most impossible of barriers for someone to be saved. Yes, even the love of money. He can break through for being a lover of money, finding your identity and significance in it to finding everlasting peace and confidence in someone that never changes, that never fades, or never fails in Jesus Christ. And then, in the story, we see our guy Peter kind of pop in. He goes, hey, you guys ever watch Home Improvement? I imagine he's like Wilson. How you doing, neighbor? Hey, Jesus, right here. We did it. Yes, thank you. We did it. We gave up everything, Jesus. We gave up everything, Jesus. This is what he says in the text. See, we've left our homes and followed you. That's what Jesus says. He pops in. The disciples in their lives chose Jesus over money. Be encouraged. I hope that is an encouragement to you. Because with God, it is possible to do this. And we see that here at Hillcrest. Have you guys looked at all the boxes of cereal and chunky soup that are outside? Have you seen the stage that was full of Operation Christmas Child boxes? There's people in this body that are doing this. Because with God, it is possible. With God, it is possible. I have seen God doing it in you as a church because I see that you're taking this final promise from Jesus to heart. This is what he says. Truly, I say to you, there's no one who has left house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of what? The kingdom of God who will not receive many times more in this time and in the age to come eternal life. What's Jesus saying? It's so worth it. Come experience more peace. Come experience this amazing gift of peace. Do you guys believe that? Because... It's an amazing gift. It's like, it's like a present that's given to us on Christmas. And it's maybe underneath you guys' Christmas tree at home right now. Maybe. Or it could be a toy. It could be a game. Shake, shake, shake. All right, you guys, look at my wrapping. This was me wrapping this, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, ah, don't look there. But look at this side. Really perfect. But... Mom and dad give you this present, give you this gift, because they love you. That toy that's in here may get broken, and this present may end up at St. Vinny's in a couple of months. But your mom or your dad has so much more love for you. That love doesn't go away. That doesn't change. That gift is, a, is just a way for them to tell you that they love you. Jesus is this gift, too. 
except he will never break and he will never go to St. Vinny's unless you, unless you bring him there and you tell the gospel to those workers or the people that are in the store, right? Because you're the everyday missionaries, get it? <laughs> cool. Amen. He is going to provide so much more happiness and joy and peace that's going to sustain you now and it will sustain you in the not yet of eternal life. So what's that mean? We've got this gift. What's it mean for our Monday to Saturday? It ultimately is asking and answering this question. Do we, you have confidence in Christ alone? Yes or no? There's only two options. Yes or no? And for, for some of you today, you're sitting here and you're challenged by the words of Jesus and you might say no to that question. I want to encourage you with, with three things. First, and challenge you, do you believe that you can take these things, this stuff with you? There may be a sense of security or control or status that you feel in the house or the 401k or the bank account or the stuff that you have. I want to challenge you to think about those things. Maybe for the first time ever, considering an eternal life. Do you guys think you can take that with you? Secondly, don't do it alone. Talk to someone Find someone in your life that might, that you know has that confidence in Christ and walk with them in that. I know I need people in my life when things come up. We need people to do this. And thirdly, run to God. Desperately ask for his help. Why? Because we believe that with God, nothing is impossible. He can overcome this barrier that's in our hearts. Run to him and desperately independently ask for him to change your heart. I'm going to have the worship team come on up as I hit these last few. For some of us in this room, we look at that question of do you have confidence in Christ and we can confidently look at it and say yes. I want to encourage us this week to maybe embody more of being a living proof of a loving God and in our everyday. So what step of generosity are you going to take this week? Because I think Jesus is telling us to put our money where our mouth is. If we say yes and confidently living in Christ, I am challenged this week to be generous then. Use this amazing tool that God has given us to show his gift of grace by generously, graciously giving to others. But this is where I'm challenged. It's not, if you are taking steps, the question is, are you grumpy about it? Jesus doesn't just want us to follow the Ten Commandments and behave rightly or do the right things. He wants our heart. Am I grumpy when I'm generous? Because Jesus wants us to value the kingdom more and happily be generous with what we have been given. 
And that leads us to our final takeaway. Because we believe God has been so much more generous to you. This amazing gift of Jesus that he gave on the cross for us from death to life. He did the impossible in our heart to give you a new peace that sustains you more than money ever could. Reflect on that this week. And may a deep happiness and peace flow from you as you follow him confidently answering yes to that question. Let's pray. God, we are grateful that you have given us this amazing, generous gift of your love on the cross. May we find more confidence in that this week than what we do in our behaviors, in doing all the right things, but may we find that confidence in you alone. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray.